I don't know about you, Christmas time, there is a, a special anticipation in our family. And, and if it's uh, like our family, I, I'm sure your kids, your children are so overjoyed about coming Wednesday would be finally Christmas Day. And part of the reason the Christmas season is the, the most enjoyable, favorite time of the year, as a Christmas carol suggests, is the fact that there are gifts. Christmas gifts, presents, there's something about opening the box. And I still remember when I was... Uh, probably Sawyer's age, eight or nine. There was a tradition in our family. My dad would take a walk uh, with us. And the, we, I, I had this uh, buzzing, lightning thing. And it, from today's standard, it's almost nothing. But that light comes on as I pull the string and I still remember vividly that particular gift warmed my heart. And it's, it's still in my fond memories about Christmas. And as an adult, we kind of suppress and act like everything's cool. But there is anticipation, there's a gifts and some disappointments also too. But do you know where it came from? I mean, it should be common sense and common knowledge for all. But maybe today, as a Christmas Sunday, as we celebrate, we should remind ourselves that tradition came from the fact that God gave the humankind, the world, His gift the giving of His own only Son, one and only Son, became the gift tradition during Christmas season. Um, there are some tendencies in commercialism and sentimentalism and other things, but other than that, I think the uh, giving, exchange, exchanging gifts and receiving and giving gifts. It's a wonderful tradition. But amidst of it all, we could miss the gift of Christmas. And John 3.16 explains the gift and how gift was given. So before we delve into the text, with one single verse as we meditate on it, Let's think about common pitfalls that we go to get into during Christmas season in terms of why we miss the gift or neglect the gift. Here's the first one. It is a distraction by trivial gifts. And no matter how awesome that actual tangible gift might be, uh, 
some, I, I guess, the, the grandiose idea of Christmas gift be a car, the kind, type of car that you like with bow on top of it. But things get old. Compared to the, the Christmas gift, this is a distraction. And not to mention the obsession and self-absorption about the materialistic things, anticipating that kind of gift. It is trivial. And that distraction can actually cause us to miss the gift of God during Christmas. Second, another common pitfall is indifference to the gift. The vast majority of our unbelieving friends have this. And they would say something like, I don't need a savior if the gift means that. Of course, the good news of great joy um, requires a condition that matches the gift, matches the good news. Like, for example, for the people who are not interested in uh, any kind of uh, healing, for example, that there is a commercial about stopping your cough, your cold. And if you don't have that kind of problem, you will not pay attention to it. And if you don't have a cancer, or at least the, the loved ones don't have cancers, close friends don't have cancer, the cure for cancer might be intellectual curiosity, but it is really doesn't make any difference. And if you think that your life is fine without Savior, that indifference will cause us, lead us to miss the gift. I need to mention this because there are people out there who's indifferent. We need to care for, we need to pray for. And that's hence the reason why we're having Friends Month in January. Third is misunderstanding about the gift some people will say, I'll do my best on being good first to get the gift. I want the gift, and I'm going to get the gift. So you better watch out. You better not cry. Because in order to get any kind of gift, good gifts from Santa or anything, that you have to earn it by being good, by being religious. By doing, doing the right things also too. It might not be a typical Christian's point of view, but it suddenly can come into our lives. Do you know that joy to the world, the Lord is come, is our song? This week, as we are anticipating birth of Savior and the celebrate the birth of our birth of our Messiah, we are to rejoice. 
Not because we have done something good. Not because we, we are somehow better than some other people. But because the pure grace of God, free gift of God. And I saved the last one for, for all of us. Um, up until now, some of you might say, oh, those might not reply, apply to me. But at least, if we become honest about our hearts, the neglect of the gift. I might as well say, passive Neglect of the gift could be another common people, including you and I. What do I mean by that? We, you know, the people will say that I received the gift for a while ago, but I have been, I have been too busy to enjoy the gift lately. Jesus is not something that we graduate. Christmas gift is not something that we celebrate for the sentimental reasons or religious reasons during the time of December. But this is actually the matter of eternity. John 3.16 is probably the most favorite verse of all time, of all people, and probably most memorized verse. And whether it's a NIV version or King James version, we all have at least about 80 to 90 percent memorizing. We're going to just take that verse and meditate on that. And the four ways to meditate The question that we're asking this morning is, why is this gift so valuable to all of us, religious or not? Here's the first one. The gift of Christmas is given by God freely. So the first time on, we're going to read this and meditate four times, but first time on, Let's read it this way. For God, not man, so loved the world that he gave his own son, only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The gift of Christmas It's God's initiative of giving His Son. In Ephesians 8 and 9, 8, 2, 8 and 9, uh, gives us a different angle to it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Do you know, Oftentimes you will hear the saying that Christianity is not a religion. But it is a relationship with God. What does that mean? I will 
I'll, I'll explain it this way. The contrasting point of all the religion is spelled simply do. D-O. You have to do these in order to be saved, in order to get to heaven. Every religion. Every major world religion. But the gospel of Christ is simply spelled D-O-N-E. Done. The work of salvation has been done by God's one and only Son. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the last word that as he said, it is finished. What is finished? Every single work requirement for the work of salvation for you and me is finished. There's nothing we can add to that. When you think about the, it is the fact that God is the one who gives this gift in this Christmas season. And as God gives, God gives us this by grace. By grace means you cannot deserve it. One doesn't deserve this. And you cannot earn it. And no one can merit it. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, so that no one can boast. If you cannot boast, God is glorified. God is placed in the midst of it all. So if we apply the coming week, the common tendency that we have is, I still need to do X, Y, and Z. And even good things such as sending Christmas cards, um, buying last gift, and being kind and nice, and providing warm, delicious meal for gathering, all those. And then, if we become honest, sneaking in under our subconscious level, there is a fact that, oh, I haven't really faithful to God. I haven't spent time with God. Book of Isaiah was too difficult, so I stayed away from several days. Here is a news for you. For you to enjoy the gift, even today, even this morning, all you need is a childlike faith, empty hands, and saying, Lord Jesus, be my Savior, be my provider. That is a gift. Don't miss this gift. And even in today's responsive reading, we heard that um, when Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah, four names given, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 
prince, prince of peace, and in, in the Old Testament language, the biblical language, whenever you hear prince, you should think about the number one leader, the forerunner who brings peace. And this week, may God's peace, may his shalom, and once again, shalom is much more than the absence of war or conflict. Shalom is wholeness. Shalom is the, the type of whole peace and well-being that you sense in this Christmas, whether you might have difficulty in your life and trials and whether you someone in your life and family members are sick, we can still enjoy the gift. Prince of Peace is with us. Second reason why the gift of Christmas is so valuable to all of us is that the gift of Christmas is given out of God's sacrificial love for sinners. The second time readings, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His own only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. If we turn to Paul's words in Romans 5.8, Paul puts it this way, For God shows His love for us in that while we're still sinners, while we're helpless, while we're enemies of God, Christ died for us. God gave His own only Son. Not to just simply make our life better, but to die on the cross for yours and my sins. And when you, when you think about that, I mean, it is unthinkable to even think about any of our children, especially young children, getting hurt. That, that would be a nightmare. But what kind of love would it be that you love so much that you would give your son away? And there is no wicked double intentions or uh, ulterior motive at all in that. The pure love. After all, when we hear the word, word God's only son, uh, the Greek word is monogenes. Basically, what it means is to translate it into King James language is the only begotten son. The reason why ESV and other versions now stay away from begotten is the cult like Jehovah's Witness take that word as created. Jesus is not created. Jesus is never created. But what does that mean, the begotten then? What does that mean that when one and only son, 
In the sense that apple trees beget tree uh, apples. Men beget men, and God beget God. It is the implication of a same kind, one kind within that God, it, uh, God the Son, second person of the Trinity, has never been created. It has always existed from eternity to eternity. So when you think about sacrificial love, let's not take this for granted. But God so loved the world. When we read the text, this is a time that we need to really go God-centered, looking for God's perspective, rather than projecting my emotions. What are we looking for? Maybe to lonely people or people who are who need some more friendship and so a lot of sentimental feeler type affectionate love. I don't feel loved by God. If someone really gave his son to die on the cross for you, if you did that out of love, pure motive, whether that person feels or not. So that's how we think. In God-centered, scripture-centered way. And a priori resolution and submission to the scripture guidance is this. That God gave his son all because God so loved the world. The world is not a place. The world is a people. Peoples of all ethnicity, all nations. And this is a kind of love that we should be get shocked about. And this is God's grace. And did you know? It's not because you felt it or not in, in last week or even this coming week that God loves you. And meditating on this, I'm motivated to tell at least my boys, my four sons, this week, one of the celebration, Christmas celebration, and tradition, new tradition that we're going to create is, I'm going to say, uh, son, God loves you. Sawyer, Seth, Silas, Soren, God loves you. Even this morning, I'm going. To, I'm, I want to say, I would. I wish I could say each one of your name. Cyril, God loves you. Caroline, God loves you. Steve. God loves you. Okay, Henry, God loves you. Irina, God loves you. And Jeff, God loves you. 
How should we respond to this kind of love, sacrificial love? Of course, the the tendency of self-absorption would be to think about how I feel. But what God has done, we need to go into the God's world. And maybe that's something we really need to do. Just meditate on the fact that God would appear coming down from heaven. In Philippians 2, setting aside his powers, his rights as almighty God. To, to empty himself, he doesn't, he doesn't not become a God. I mean, he doesn't stop becoming, becoming a God. He doesn't lose any power. But he was set aside to be servants, to be servant of us, to be like you and me. We must respond to God's sacrificial love with utter humility, eternal gratitude, and unending praise. Number three reason, the gift of Christmas has the power to forgive sins and give us eternal life. A third reading, for God so, so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If we turn a few chapters, a couple of chapters in John, the Gospel of John, and John puts it this way, Truly, truly I say to you, Jesus is quoting Jesus, Whoever hears my word, and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. The type of gift that you re- receive, a trivial gift, might make you feel just a little bit happy one or two days or maybe a couple of weeks if it's a big Big surprise. But it doesn't last. But this gift of God has an eternal power. Change our destiny. But I think we should really apply it this way too. Instead of thinking about someday when I get to heaven as a believer, and oh, I, by grace I've been saved. So I will be with Jesus. And that eternal life will be sweet. No. Not only that. Our eternal life begins right now. Today. Because when you think about eternal life. It does not mean we exist forever. All souls exist forever. Depending on whether it's a condemnation and judgment in hell. Or with God. The life we're talking about is life to God. See, God created men and women. And the original intention is to enjoy Him and to glorify Him within the design of creation. 
But because of sin, we fell from that. Eternal life, uh, let me say this first. When, when you hear the death, the biblical definition of death is a separation. Separation from God, spiritual death. Our spirit being separated from our body, physical death. Eternal separation from God is eternal death. Also known as going to hell. Second death. So when you think about this idea of eternal life is that life with God and fellowship with God, enjoyment of God and savoring of His glory begins now. And it doesn't matter when you receive this gift. But if you neglect it today, your relationship with God doesn't change as much as you you're always belong to your father and your, your mother. But when there is um, tension and conflict, and because of wrongdoings, especially on your part, there's a broken fellowship. How do you enjoy the gift of Christmas? You confess your sin, you surrender your heart, you begin to enjoy God's forgiveness and God's grace and love and joy and peace. Today, Let's not neglect this and go for the trivial joys. It's like, it doesn't last. Some, some, some of the gifts, not even the two hours. And this Christmas, I'm not talking about big practices of uh, spiritual discipline at all. As you get up and you have a few minutes, just thinking about what God has done for us and enjoying that. Just being silent before God and meditating or picking up your guitar and sing a love song to Jesus. Taking a long walk or short walk with Jesus. Here's the last, fourth and last reason. The gift of Christmas is given to the whole world. Whoever believes in him. Fourth and last reading in meditation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, doesn't matter it's your man or woman, doesn't matter you belong to one ethnicity or the other, that your citizenship is in in U.S. or others. Whoever believes in him. 
Salvation is available to all people. The gift of Christmas is available for all, all people. But one insight that John gives us right before John 3.16, verses 14 and 15, he brings up this Old Testament story. Or actually, Jesus is quoting Old Testament in his own words. And he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Do you remember this? In Exodus, uh, as Moses led the people, the people of Israel goes through this ups and downs, and grumbling after another grumbling, and God disciplines them. And this time, it is a physical death. The serpents in the wilderness show up, and then anyone who gets bitten, because of that bite, people begin to die out of the poison. Moses cries out to God, and God says, Make a brazen serpent. And put it on top of the pole. And lift it up. And say to your people. Say to my people God says. Anyone who looks it up. Look look up. To that snake. Will be healed. Will be saved. Just imagine that. And you're in, in your own tent. And Moses said. You will not die. If you look. To. The snake. Brazen snake. And some people saying, cynical people say, what? Just be looking at it. Ah, Don't even, don't even make my emotional state worse because of that false hope. But maybe there are people who might not have a strong faith, but the feeble faith, what have I had to lose? And crawls out from the tent. And just merely looking up. As soon as he looks up. Or she looks up. You feel the difference in your body. And the poison is leaving in your body. You get strength. And you get, you get actually immediately stand up. With full health. And that was actually... <coughs> The object lesson of what is to come. And Jesus is saying, As Moses is lift up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And our job, and our duty, is merely looking up. Look to Jesus. By grace it is given already. And through childlike empty hands of faith, we are to look to Jesus. And once again, we all became saved. In this room, those who, of us who are saved and Christ followers, that way. But that doesn't mean there is no need at, at all anymore to look to Jesus. Today, whatever that you're going through, 
I know it could be financial. I know the immediate answer might not come. I know your sick one in your family, your loved one is cancer, might not go away overnight. But you know, all those little problems and trials and problems in our lives are symptoms of sin. And God sent his only son, one and only son, to take care of the sin. sin. And there will be a time, there will be no more sickness, no more cancer, no more crying, no more death, no more dying. So in that regard, we might not have a trivial things, but we have a bigger gift. The fundamental solution for man's problem. When was the last time you'd look to Jesus? Some of you are really good at solving problems at your work or you, when your fa- family get together and how to navigate through the family problems or the financial problems. And suddenly, and there's nothing wrong with utilizing your what God has given to but suddenly you became more dependent, self-reliant, neglecting God, neglecting Jesus in your life, as if there, there are days that I'm going to need him like a spare tire. But he's not the center. He's not exceeding joy in your life. You're waiting for some cheap substitution. The Christmas, this Christmas, let's restore that joy. By grace, we are given free access. All we have to do is look to Jesus. I close with Charles Spurgeon's excerpt from Charles Spurgeon's Actually, this is his testimony, how he became a Christian. When he was 16, he went to church, and the church, the pastor, was not available. So a layperson stood up without any preparation. And from the book of Isaiah, he kept on repeating the same thing. Look to God, look to God, look to God. Young man, you look to God. In response, he wrote these words. I saw at once the way of salvation. Like as when the brazen serpent was lifted up, the people only looked and were healed. So it was with me. I had been waiting to do 50 things. But when I heard the word, look, what a charming world. Charming word it seemed to me. Oh, I looked until I could almost have looked my eyes away. There and then, the cloud was gone. The darkness had rolled away. And that moment I saw the sun. If I understand the gospel, it is this. I deserve to be lost forever. The only reason why I should not be damned 
is that Christ was punished in my stead. And there is no need to execute a sentence twice for sin. By looking to him, I received all the faith which inspired me with confidence in his grace. And the word that first drew my soul, look unto me, still rings its clarion note in my ears. There I once found conversion, and there I shall ever find refreshing and renewal. My brothers and sisters at Crossway, listen to me. This is my hope and prayer for all of us in this Christmas season, especially this coming week. May we look to Jesus who brings the type of answer that no one, no system, no thing can bring. In spite of our difficult trials and unresolved problems in our current journey of life. As we look to Jesus, experience the kind of peace that heaven come down and fill our soul. And this is the eternity of God's presence with us. And this is the reality of true Christian life. And my prayer is that our church would be revived because of this joy, because we look to Jesus together, that we find true hope and true joy. And as as this year's spiritual direction for our church, that Jesus is our exceeding joy. May that be true to all of us. May God be merciful to each one of us by showing grace as we look to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wonderful gift of Christmas. We repent of the fact that our craving is more immediate, quick fixes in materialistic things. The things that we want so badly is that our loved ones to be healed with the snap of finger. But in the light of this gift and eternity, we're filled with peace by Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Give us faith, increase our faith, And even with our feeble faith, we look to Jesus this morning for renewal and refreshing. And may Crossway and every member of Crossway be refreshed this Christmas. And this week, meet with us in the spurts of 
uh, moment and spontaneous times and walks. Not as a religious uh, duty, but as a the reminder of exceeding joy you are. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.